Welcome, people, to Junto Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about poverty with Damien Marcel Talley. I like how you said my name. I feel real official when you said that. Uh, yeah, Damien Marcel Talley, uh, former Democratic candidate Keep for District course. for District 49, current RCDP executive committee member, um, and just a social reform quasi-activist. So, yeah, all cool. those things. So we're, this is a big subject. So where do we start off? Man, wherever, kind of, kind of uh, I guess, at the basics. Um, okay. It's fucked up. It's really, really messed up. Um, people are struggling and things need to change. Um, poverty in itself leads to just about every social economic issue that we're uh, currently facing. And I think... Um, it is the underlying issue of it should be of every candidate that's running right now for president, yeah. uh, whether you're already the president or uh, whether you're running to be the Democratic nominee. So I'm, yeah, start there. Okay. So you, you, your argument then is is that poverty kind affects multiple facets. Pretty much, it, it, it's the underlying from our. Uh, from our state, from how abysmal our state healthcare system is and how uh, we're struggling with that on the national level, how we're just struggling nationwide because of uh, not being able to afford access to it, our affordable housing crisis, which is nationwide right now, but especially hitting hard in Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Uh, Childcare, the things that people can't afford just in general. It's, um, it all stems from the fact of like the basic perspective of poverty and how it reaches all of us. Yeah. I was touching all of us in many different ways. Yeah, I've heard that. I've actually, I, I've heard from people that it's, you know, as far as childcare, childcare is so expensive. Childcare is, I'll speak from my perspective. From my perspective, if uh, we didn't get a certain amount of assistance, then childcare would be as much as my rent, mm -hmm. and um, that affects how you, what type of work you can do, what type of schooling. If you decided, like, man, I need to do something different, I need to go to school so I can change my circumstance. Can't do that because I gotta put my son and son, my child in childcare. Can't afford that, so that's kind of like a, it's just a vicious cycle, and I think. So many individuals are facing that and dealing with that on a day-to-day -day basis, and we don't really talk about it in a real nuanced way, and we have to. We have to kind of address it in a real plain way. Yeah, and we're behind in that we are. regard, right? We so are. I think, uh, luckily, for uh, like certain candidates are kind of putting it at the forefront. I, I'm glad that multiple uh, candidates, I want to say most all, not not all, because you know, there are differences, but most all candidates are at least uh, talking about the need for uh, increasing the minimum wage. Uh, the most prominent candidates are talking about a wealth tax, uh, which is going to be necessary to uh, get some of the things that we need done, to, such as universal health care and uh, other things. So the, yeah, with the wealth, we're changing it. With the wealth tax, a lot of people think that you know that's somehow fundamentally against american values when in oh, fact yeah. yeah when in fact the the founders yeah. said uh, i think it was jefferson said that it was manifestly absurd to wrap up you know monies in future generations indefinitely so Absolutely. like that that was not a principle that they ever believed in yeah, people kind of always um 
taxation in itself is a, a uniquely American, not a uniquely, but is an especially uh, American aspect. It's just all about how we utilize it. How do we utilize the system to kind of benefit the whole? And right now, it's not benefiting the whole. It's benefiting a very, very small amount of American people. And that's the problem. What do you think that disconnect is? What? Why can't people understand that? Well, I think because uh, people feel like uh, displaced millionaires or uh, temporarily displaced millionaires. They all think that eventually one day, if I work hard, keep my nose down, keep my uh, you know thoughts pure, then uh, I'll wake up and be a billionaire instead of waking up recognizing no matter how hard you work and under the current system, uh, I could work 40, 60 hours. I'm still going to be struggling because of uh, how things currently are and uh, because of the things that I can't afford because of uh, how our current tax system is laid out. Once people start recognizing how truly, can I can I use profanity on you? I feel oh, like absolutely, I man. Once people start to realize how truly <laughs> fuck they are, then uh, then I think they'll come. I think they'll come around. Profanity. Yeah. You did well. I try. I try. <laughs> I try to make a a point to be pertinent in that. So yeah. So with the the taxation, for example. You know, let's go back a little bit to Eisenhower. So Eisenhower, <laughs> I, I want to preface this by Eisenhower next to President Obama is my favorite president. Oh, really? He is and he's a Republican. President. President. He is a, he's a Republican. A, a true Republican, a true one could Republican. argue. A argue. true yeah. Republican. So with him, I don't think a lot of people know the difference between a marginal tax rate. So so the, the tax rate right. was very high. I think high. most people think that uh, when they when we talk about raising the, the taxes, then we're talking about you have a dollar and we're going to take 70% of your dollar. Right. And that's not what it is. That's not how it works at all. What it really <laughs> is, is after a certain amount of money, then we'll take 70%. After that, for some people, like... Uh, We'll take 70% on every dollar after your 10th million, which yeah. I think is fair. Yeah. I think it's fair. Most people don't understand that concept, and that's kind of where we get off the rails. And it's kind of on on, on the opponents of a wealth tax or any increase in taxation. It's promoted as to be confusing and have oh, people absolutely. thinking uh, the other way around that, man, if taxes raise, then they're going to take 70 percent of your check and you're already struggling. We're not talking about raising 70, like raising the tax rate on people who are making minimum wage or anything like right. that. We're talking about the richest people in the country. Right. So they took the John Oliver does a piece. On, oh, yeah. Uh, for yeah, example, the, the wealth tax. Yeah. So when uh, there's a clip that he used from Mitt Romney when he's talking to this crowd of yeah. workers, farmers, and he says, you paid for that farm. You shouldn't have to pay for that farm again, yeah. which was funny because the legislation he was talking about actually didn't affect them. It only yeah. affected states 10 million and above. Absolutely. So but they heard. Just what he was saying—that's called dog whistle in politics. They—they right. they don't understand the nuance of the, the actual legislation. And the way John Oliver put it was, he said, "Unless you consider your estate the collection of crap you've put together over the past thirty years, it probably doesn't apply yeah. to you, right?" And that's what—and that's what I think most people have to understand. And what—and once we get once we get to that, and it's a slow process, but it's a definite for sure process. Just because, like I said. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are two of the most the, the biggest proponents of 
taxation of uh, wealth, which is necessary, which our country used to do under Eisenhower. Uh, Eisenhower, I think the highest the marginal tax rate was under him was 90%. So that means every dollar after a certain amount for the wealthiest Americans in the country at the time was taxed at 90%. It was, but it then, was. but even on top of that, though, then they there were certain things that they did, though, right, that they could get breaks for. Yeah, so it, eventually, so in other words, correct me if I'm wrong. So it went from ninety percent after so many dollars, and then they would have certain things they could write off. Right. So it might Absolutely. fall to like thirty, forty percent. Yeah, what they what they call well, that was uh, it, it was specific towards the workers and whatnot. Like uh, if you invested in uh, your company and actually, uh, which instead of losing that money, you'd rather invest it in your company so you can make more money. Correct. And keep in mind, even at 90%, there were still insanely rich people for some reason. Yeah, yeah. They didn't just disappear. All of no, no, no. There were still insanely <laughs> rich people who bought insanely rich people things, like right. multiple houses going on insane Yeah, vacations. rich people don't go nowhere. They made it rain, <laughs> basically, in the 1950s. Which is really funny because that, to me, ties into the whole... MAGA, make America great. When when they say that, they, yeah. they're usually talking about a tax they're plan. They're usually talking about Eisenhower's day. And uh-huh. uh, if they knew that you're talking about a time where the tax rate was 90% on the wealthiest Americans, then you'll... That's socialism. Yeah. That's, that's crazy talk. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but with the... The current tax plan, it's not so much, we still have a marginal tax rate. It's just we that do. they bring it down so low so yeah. low that now that some some people are actually subsidized. So taxpayers are actually paying into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now, uh, the tax rate kind of has uh, rich people, of course, keeping the majority of their funds. And I think the easiest way to look at it is that if that money isn't being spent because rich people aren't just... There's only so many houses that you can buy. There's only so much stuff that you can accumulate. Nick Hanar yeah. is a big proponent of that. He, yeah. He's a he's a multi-billionaire philanthropist. And yeah. he says, hey, he goes, I can't keep up the economy. Only right. I buy is, the same amount of jeans so, as everybody else does. So that idea that rich people are the job creators is... That's what he tries to dispel. It's kind of nonsense because the Waltons aren't keeping the economy going. Mm-hmm. The people who work at... Walmart are right, and that's what's important. So, so do you think this is like a, a huge factor, or at least a starting point to poverty? I think it's well. There's a lot of different. Um, there's a lot of different avenues that lead to poverty and whatnot. There's system like mass incarceration is a, the, and and the you know the circumstances that people face after that. That's a leading factor. Um, lack of education or those resources that's a leading factor and whatnot but this as far as taxation that's one of the most easily fixed uh aspects where we can change start to change things if we can at least get to that point then we can start to change a lot of the other things we can start reforming things that we don't have the money to reform now like mandatory minimum sentencing and things like that all those things can change once we get at least a different, uh, yeah, we can, once we can afford to change things right now, it's just those things aren't going to change because they're people make money off of them. So, yeah. so 
kind of like a domino effect. It's a, it's a domino effect, a, a deadly domino effect where uh, we can't have affordable housing. We have uh, distressed families. Uh, we have distressed schools and communities. We have um, yeah, increased crime rates. All oh, just dominoes. Doom, doom, doom. All the way down. Yeah. And so, like, you said for, uh, deadly. Deadly. Yeah. Just, just, Describe that. I think that's uh, deadly because if you don't, if you don't have those basics, if you don't have shelter, if you don't have affordable housing, then boom, that's 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 death and whatnot. That's, uh, if you don't have um, access to affordable health care, then you're going to die at some point. There's just no way around that. If you don't have... Um, you die or you're extremely it, in debt. Yeah. But you're no, degrading I, I, no, no, your no, no, health. No, I, I mean, literally, you're going to oh. die. If you don't have access to uh, affordable food or you know reasonable mm. food resources, you're going to die. I don't mean that because I, I, I think... I think a it's lot not of figurative. People, yeah, this is not figurative <laughs> at all. You're going to it die. It affects your health. You will pass away. Hmm. Now, I don't mean like, oh, you're going to go to the hospital. Like, I have the flu and like, oh, you can't afford to be here and die. I mean, those things add up and whatnot. If you can't afford to get your heart medication or your, uh, if you can't afford to get your mental health checked out uh, like you need to and get those resources, then you're uh, suicide is a is a is a real thing that's uh, that we're dealing with, and that's a another side effect of poverty. So all those things. That's why I kind of wanted to talk about it, just because it it's like the the evil octopus of the society right now. Poverty, just reaching out and touching everything and whatnot. Healthcare, healthcare, affordable housing, childcare, education. Man, education's a big one. So, of course, in some of these areas, they don't have the funding. Yeah. So, so, so then that affects yeah, people's education on the subject. Mainly just because of how we fund education. Uh, most, a lot of people don't uh, recognize that uh, schools are like we have the BEP system, which is the basic. Um, the, 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 I can't. I can't even think of the <laughs> BEP. I can't think of what the initials stand for right now. It's slipping my mind, but that's BEP, Josh. B. <laughs> this is this. I'm sorry. In. That's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Keep in mind, I have a master's in education. I that's just okay. slipping my. Mind. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> that, hey, that's why Josh is here. So yeah, we can yeah get 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 that for me, Josh. But anyway, other than that, we also have. Uh, that's how the state funds public education. That's what the governor and everybody in the state is always, always talking about. Well, we're fully funded the BEP. Yeah, but, it's the basic education program. Boom. That's how the state funds. Public <laughs> that's too education. easy to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, <that's, laughs> it's, it's, I knew it. It just slipped my mind for a second. But that's how that's what the governor and that is always touting when they say that we fully funded education but the other uh the other funds come from property taxes and whatnot don't own a home you're not pay, uh, paying taxes I mean, a lot of uh underprivileged communities there aren't a lot of homes where we can uh, get that tax revenue from so because of that because of poverty in a certain specific area then that education in that area is going to be crumbling on a regular basis on the other side of town where uh, resources are more available, where poverty isn't as prominent than uh, those education, those schools. You see it in my uh, home county of Rutherford County, how uh, some areas in Murfreesboro, 
the schools are nationally known as uh, mm-hmm. like these are the top schools that you can go to, but in certain areas. And they pay for those with, with taxes. With taxes. Holy mess. Yeah. That's that's all that socialism idea. going on over there. Yeah. Yeah. Murfreesboro. So Her. this kind of affects gentrification. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you explain that to kind of well, I think um what gentrification is to me is when uh, you know, developers or other people just kind of come in and um, buy out those dilapidated uh, communities from, let's just say, because I'm black and, you know, this black communities mm-hmm. and uh, kind of kick those out and then refurbish those and not develop them so that, uh, that they can, so that black people can, uh, or black or any other community that's being gentrified uh, can't afford to live there. Mm-hmm. anymore kick those people out and kind of build on top of the bones of uh those old communities so and they often you know, do it they're, they're not even really doing it it's shoddy yeah, yeah it's shoddy it's not uh anything that's uh it's kind of like the, those tall and skinny houses yeah. in nashville not the kinda, best not the best quality not the best looking just not our really really not humanity's best architecture yeah, yeah just really really expensive and really really Overpriced. Well, so overpriced, yeah. yeah. You know, for no reason. For no reason. Those things hurt communities and whatnot. They do, you know, it's, all, it's, it's often sold as uh, urban renewal or something like that. But I think when you, I think a lot of the uh, individuals in Nashville, and not, not, and not just black people, I think a lot of the communities in Nashville can see if what it actually is. I mean, when uh, individuals in Nashville can't live in the communities that they grew up in, mm-hmm. that kind of makes you look at it as like, I don't feel renewed. I feel like I've been evicted from this city that I helped build. Yeah. Yeah. And that affects, uh, I know that this is a big issue in like places like New Orleans and probably Absolutely. Music City too, yeah. where Absolutely. I think musicians that, can't afford to, to live, live right here in Music City. So then then it has an effect on culture. Yeah. You start to pull back the, the yeah. things that made your city the city that made it the city what it is and um nobody cares to build it you can't you can't buy that that has to be developed and it has to be cultivated from the ground up it has to come from the people and whatnot and instead of building a a, a, a tax system or a, an affordable housing system that's more equitable to uh the poorest individuals and or the the actual working individuals in the city, we kind of, or, or the nation overall, uh, we've created a system that benefits a very, very few people. And that kind of just streamlines the destruction of those communities. Yeah, so it, I mean, it disproportionately affects people of color. Disproportionately. But, you know, let's just be frank, I'm white. White people. What? Well, yeah. Wait a. F- I'm actually. Oh, the f- what? I'm more like clear. Have you ever yeah, heard? I, I you remember Space Jam <laughs> when, when Bill Murray, Billy Murray's asking clear. Remember when? Yeah, <laughs> Bill Murray's asking Michael Jordan if he can be in the NBA, and Michael Jordan's like, "No, nah, man." He's like, "Oh, is it because I'm white?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "Larry's white," and they pan to Larry. He's like putting. Bill Murray says he's like Larry's not white. He's uh he's, clear. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. No. But, but it white people they don't understand how that even affects them further yeah, down. Absolutely. The road. They're kind of shooting themselves I in the think, foot. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people don't recognize that, and it's unfortunate. It's almost like when you try to describe like white privilege or, or something like that. I don't think that uh, certain white people recognize that white privilege doesn't mean 
that uh, you're not struggling or that what we're saying plainly mm. is that the reason you're struggling is not because you're white. Right. That's that's it. That's like full stop. It's not saying that you have the privilege to like. It's just you're so basically secretly rich, and we're just that's all it is. But I think you're you're absolutely right. Uh, like Grundy County is the poorest county in Tennessee. I thought is it Cock County? Cock uh, County is oh Grundy. Grundy County. It is Grundy, Grundy County. Is Cock County has the distinction of being the most violent. Uh, or they have, they have the highest rates of assault and murder per capita. Have you heard that? I have not heard that, but then I don't stay in Cock County. Well, <laughs> we traveled to Cock County and let me tell oh, you, man. so they don't have access to broadband. Um, the, the town I think is like 98% white. See, and that's the thing. When you pause right there, I think that, that, that kind of their face. So that just shows they're kind of facing the same issues that uh, everybody else is facing. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not a race thing at that right. point. It's just uh, greed doesn't care what color you are. Right. And um, Grundy County and Kai County are just examples of that. But if you're in a, if you are in an area that obviously the poorer the area, the, the higher the crime is going to be. Right. People of color are going to face police scrutiny a right. lot more right so that's something yeah. where that's uh, i think that's a that's a white privilege thing too in kaya county you can be the most violent in the state from what you're saying and uh you can people will still only too. focus on memphis or something right. like that because right so memphis per capita memphis. yes technically yeah. Cock county now obviously there's more people in memphis but Absolutely. per capita meaning like right by that estimate, statistically. Yeah, that means that there's 500 it, people in Kai County. They're more violent. Yeah. There was actually, hey, this is a, a very interesting piece. So when we tr we were traveling in there with a candidate, right. and there was another person, and they they were kind of, I was in the uh, the back seat. I was kind of halfway. I was working on the computer, and they started talking about we'll this case. And uh, they started talking about the the, the, the violence and uh, the corruption that was in the state. There, there was actually uh, one of their sheriffs was arrested by the TBI. Like, I mean, uh, or no, Big I think that's going on around there. Yeah, I think the FBI ended <laughs> up getting involved. Um, uh, so just a very corrupt place. But there was a gentleman who killed another gentleman. Mm -hmm. And this is what piqued my interest. They I said, like how you called them both gentlemen. Yeah. It was a gentleman's, it was essentially a gentleman's brawl. Like it was oh, okay. like one of the. It was a duel, basically. Essentially a duel thing. And the, and the gentleman killed the other gentleman. And they, what piqued my interest was they said, they're like, what did they use for that? And he said, they used the son of a bitch defense. And I was like, or the worth killing defense is what it's called. So essentially the guy that this guy had a gentleman's duel with was such a bad character mm -hmm. that. It, the courts deemed it essentially that he was worth killing. So he had so many assaults, so bad of a record that they said any reasonable person we got to get rid of him. So well, <laughs> any reasonable person could be seen defending themselves. Right. <laughs> so there was no, uh, yeah. you know, and, and it, I was like, I what? This is like the Wild West out here. I, I don't think that would have. I don't think that would fly in Memphis. This was in. Yeah. No, I'm saying, and know, that becomes my, the whole issue, right? <laughs> I don't think they were flying Memphis. Like, no, nah, man, he's really, really like this guy was a bad dude. He was yeah. just defending himself. Yeah. You can't use nah, that defense in Memphis. Memphis, or, yeah, and that becomes where it is racial, yeah, uh, bias, yeah. That's that's one thing that really I was like, whoa. First of all, this is like the wild, yeah. wild west out here. But it's it's like you said. I think uh, what is important and what I hope 
what I'd like to see moving forward is that people uh, work more collaboratively to address those issues of uh, poverty just because they do cross so many lines. It doesn't, mm -hmm. like I said, greed doesn't care about how what color you are and whatnot. You can still be a victim of poverty. You sound like a Fred Hampton fan. Fred Hampton did a lot of that. A, a, a little bit. I think it's a, a little bit. I don't want to. I don't want to. Take word. Yeah, yeah I don't want to take word. But yeah, but ultimately it is one of those issues that I think this is the unifying issue in America that really could, if we focused on that, kind of cross a lot of the, the boundaries that we don't think about, you know, while we're busy uh, focusing on so many different things. Like, well, I don't agree with this. Like, I don't agree with this. Stuff that I'm broke, like me too. Like, yeah, so I think that could kind of bring a lot of people together. So, how do we start having those conversations? They start in the communities, do they have you know, they do. I think we have to uh kind of get out of our silos, I think, a little bit and kind of recognize uh, it, it sounds cliche, but we really do have a lot more in common with each other, especially as American citizens, than we have. Um, that separates us. So mm -hmm. Really, we really do. It sound. I know it sounds cliche. I know people are gonna watch this and be like, "Oh, this guy." But <laughs> we're all gonna hug. You, you really, you really do. Um, mm -hmm. And if we get out of those silos and start focusing on the things that really matter to all of us, which is for the most part making sure that we have a, good, a decent place to stay, that we have decent food to eat, that our kids and even ourselves are having a decent access to education and healthcare, things like that. When we really get to the brass tacks of that, then I think that's when things start to shift a little bit. You know, I mean, I think even when we look at the fact that uh, a lot of people who voted for Trump and whatnot uh, would have also voted for Bernie, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but that that's clear that, you know, both of those people spoke to certain issues that if I think if, uh, I don't know, if Bernie had been the nominee in, in, in 16, maybe they could have uh, uh, crossed paths better and whatnot and kind of understood why we also don't have to be racist to kind of <laughs> address these issues. I, I know a lot of people that voted for Bernie in the primary and then Trump. Yeah. And and most of it is an issue of, you know, a lot of people will see this. Um, they understand that Congress is corrupt. They understand yeah. that politicians are corrupt, but they don't really know how to identify right. that that information yeah. is. Well, it is readily available. It's just really hard to get to. Yeah. It's hard to read through. Let's put it that and way. And it's purposely done like that. It's purposely done like that to kind of make it so you're uninterested and mm -hmm. make it so it's just, well, that's a lot to go through to kind of get some understanding. So that was another thing that I've heard from past presidents and uh, the good ones at least. And then, <laughs> uh, and then, and some of the founders was that, that law should be written in such a way that the common man, as they said, yeah. could understand it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not <laughs> just in, getting into that in general, even another aspect of it. And one of the reasons that I stopped running in district 49, um, although we do have a great candidate, Mr. Brandon Thomas, I don't know if it's cool to, yeah, point that out, Brandon Thomas uh, in Smyrna, Laverne, and parts of Murfreesboro in District 49. Donate to him. Um, but one of the reasons was just because I had to focus on providing for my family. What I don't think a lot of people recognize about it. In fact, it's weird when you actually look at the professions of all the people that 
are in the office. They're either lawyers where you can kind of pick your own hours or retire. Um, and that's not the case for every person that, you know, like me, I have to go to work every mm -hmm. day. So it's kind of even if I uh, got in and won, which I intended to do. I still would have had to work. It's a sacrifice. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. So that's not something that everybody can do. And until we change those dynamics, until we make it so you don't have to go into deeper poverty to be a part of uh, changing the system to make everybody every to make things overwhelmingly uh, more equitable for people, then that's going to be drawback and we got to recognize that too so i mean if, if someone like you is mm -hmm. willing to run for office yeah. that it's it's not a it's not a fun ordeal it's not it was a lot I, I only did it for a little while and i may do it again later on and when that maybe, you should yeah. just go ahead and throw that out yeah, there it's like later later on like when i'm much much older Let's get you in congress yeah like i'm i'm one of those dirty millennials right now so I don't, when, <laughs> when, I, when i get older yeah maybe but um it's not it's not fun it's not uh it's not easy and it is costly you know if you're having a uh, luckily at the time i was running my job was pretty flexible for me but everybody doesn't have that luxury and whatnot and, and to a certain extent i didn't either after a while so um we have to change, though, if we want for things to change, if we want more people to be engaged and more active. And if we want more people to run, if we truly do, everybody doesn't. They may say they do, but everybody doesn't. Oh, yeah. You, you get know, in there. Everybody, everybody does. Like, yeah, run. Don't let them run. <laughs> but uh, if we really want that. You're to talking change, about the establishment. Yeah, the, the establishment. That's what we're about. I like that. Yeah. The establishment doesn't want everybody to the run. The syndicate. The syndicate. Maybe we shouldn't use yeah, syndicate. Not syndicate. <laughs> no, 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 no. Republic. I'm <laughs> now we're just going to throw out terms. Democrat. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we really want those things to change, then we have to make it easier for people to run. Right. Uh, we have to like increase the pay uh, for so you people to run. Do you support like publicly funded elections? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the only way they should be. See, that's one of those things with common. Like, I don't think. I think the average American would say, yes, absolutely, money out of politics right. has to happen. Right, yeah. And I think, um, absolutely, I think uh, everything should be out on the table. You should know who's donating to who and why and how much and, you know, all of that. And when that's, when that's able to be hidden, then it kind of just keeps the wheels running like they've been running. And, yeah, I think everybody can agree that there are some cogs in the system. <laughs> And uh, if everybody feels that way, then everybody should be more vocal about uh, making sure that things change. Yeah, and it's not it's so that the vocal thing. I think a lot of people, you know, they don't want to have conversations with their family, their friends, and be super vocal right. because of the. I mean, for example, myself, I've had a lot of disparity between my family just right. simply for having different I views. Yeah, I think. Uh, with with that, because uh, uh, me being agnostic and just um, that, that was that was another reason like people I stopped running because people don't tend to like that. I want you to. Oh, you're in the Bible Belt. Yeah, you're running yeah. this. See, and that's uh, yeah, that kind of. But that's subject. neither. The, but um, you know, you have to uh, have you just have to kind of force through it and whatnot. It's um, 
I think it's unfortunate that we're taught that we shouldn't talk about um, issues that make us uncomfortable. Those are, if it's an issue that makes you uncomfortable, that's definitely something you should bring to the table. Yeah, that's yeah, something you should be willing to discuss. If you're, if you have questions about the LGBTQ plus community, you should definitely ask respectfully. Hmm. You should definitely ask. If you have questions about uh, the concerns about uh, Black Lives Matter, then you should ask somebody who's a proponent and be as respectful about it. If you don't understand, if you really are seriously trying to understand something, if you don't understand why somebody voted for Trump, you should ask and have, mm -hmm. a, have a respectful conversation and try to be as open. And if you can do that, if we can do that without kind of flying off the handle, it, 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 I'm not saying it won't be difficult. Right, right. I'm not saying that, but it's supposed to be. Yeah. If you're trying to get people to, nothing see happens without a little contention. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the, you know, poverty, the the gap that's growing mm. between the wealth and or the richie and the richie, the richie. I, I was, yeah, I'm all over the place with that. The richies, <laughs> the richies. <laughs> let's call them that. The richies but, and the but, poories. Right. So the middle, as the middle class is is kind of disintegrating in the U.S. Do you think? that polarization that comes from that has an effect on why people like, so for example, if, if you're more stressed about your job and stuff, when you go to have those conversations and you tend to look for the easy answers and whatnot. I mean, like I, I like Bernie. I voted for Bernie in the primary. I did vote for Hillary in the general cause I'm a grown up. But, uh, I think you have to, you, I, I think the, What's clear is that Bernie and Trump were both populist candidates and whatnot. So they kind of, what their zeal, their appeal to people was that they had like this clear cut. It seemed like anyway that they had this clear cut answer, and I, it, for whatever reason, uh, Trump was just louder <laughs> and whatnot in a lot of ways. But they had clear cut answers. And I think when you're struggling, it was an easy button. Yeah, it was an easy button. Never go for the easy button. But I think a lot of people kind of just um, when you're struggling, when things are that, that's that's usually what people go to the voting booth with, like with that understanding of I'm struggling. He just make he he or she makes the most sense right now. So them. Do you think empathy to a certain degree, if you try to look at it from this other position uh, or someone else's position? Do you? Th I think naturally, if you do that, then you kind of naturally become more aware of of policy and, yeah. and other things. If you're more aware, even if you're, because even if you're a conservative, you, uh, and and if you're more aware of the circumstances of of other people, then that makes you more aware of like of who you're going to, the type of conservative you're going to vote for. You can still be like, well, I talked to this person and we, we've developed this relationship, but I still think that taxation is theft or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> And still make sure that uh, the person you're voting for isn't uh, uh, trumpeting like bigoted ideologies and whatnot. Like, you know, that has nothing to do with taxation. That guy's a bigot and I don't want him in office. So I'm going to be more inclined to vote for this person. So, yeah, it's just about opening yourself up a little bit. And that's necessary. So, f as far as poverty goes, how do Americans tackle poverty? Like, what, what are some bullet points that? we can use or people that are listening like where do we start like what are some well, things that we have to I, do i think that uh some of my solutions may kind of um 
like uh, if I haven't already kind of revealed uh, where I am on the ideological or political spectrum. But I think there's a lot of different uh, avenues that we all need to look at, like at, at, at various at various levels. Um, for one, we have to increase the minimum wage. We have to uh, strengthen uh, labor rights for people. Uh, Tennessee, my home state, is a right to work state, which I always consider like a right to work for less state. Um, we have to look at uh, ways that we can actually control, um, like Oregon has uh, with uh, rent prices and whatnot, and make make actually make housing more affordable. Now, of course, all those things include the government having a little bit more control, but that. But once I think once we recognize that we are the government, because usually that's what like I guess the the argument is we can't let the government control us but it's like but we're the government like i know it's the big yeah we're the we're the people that they're talking about so i have a problem with that distinction because and i I try to say the word administration now okay because we are republicans right Right. we are a republic so if you say the government it's bad you treat it as this entity that can't be stopped then then yeah yeah you start blurring the lines between reality and I think the biggest, especially with, with that, is that what people have to first recognize is that a republic is a democracy. Mm-hmm. We're a constitutional. It, it is. It is a constitutional yeah. republic. All that means is that for our democracy, we elect representatives Correct. to speak for us. Right. Which is democratic. Still a democracy. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, they refer to that. So, so they made, I mean, the founders... Clearly, if you read them, made distinctions between pure democracy and they said we're a representative democracy. Yeah, we're a constitutional democratic yeah. re- republic. I think, uh, and I can't remember who it is, but I, it was probably Thomas Jefferson. It was one of the Thomases. There was a lot of Thomases in the yeah, 1700s. <laughs> Thomas but, Payne, uh, Thomas, yeah, all those Thomases. And, uh, but Thomas Madison, all those. But um, one of them, were, uh, what I usually get is a kickback song uh, of a founding father by making the statement that um that we can't be that uh a de- democracy will be problematic and leaving out the fact that of course you know in context he's talking about a direct democracy which it would be we well they call it a pure i mean in, yeah. in a lot of letters they talked about pure democracy right. like so that's we, just literally yeah. you get a bunch of, course, of people that would be problematic i mean yeah, if, yeah. The, if it was a pure democracy there's a good chance slavery probably wouldn't have ended until like last year maybe right. maybe not even last year because <laughs> it's you know trump is the president right but, might still be happening yeah, it might still be going on and whatnot. A lot more revolts, but you know, you'd have to leave room for reason. Yeah, yeah. But we are those people, and we have to. We just have to look at things that will directly impact, and look at candidates who are talking about directly impacting that. That means looking at all these. Individuals who are running and when I am a Democrat, so like I'm not talking about Trump at all. I just want to be clear. I don't want there to be like, I mean, I'm respectful. You know, if you're conservative, I feel you do your thing. But we have to look at the alternatives, the people who are actually talking about addressing the issues. I don't 
necessarily agree with Andrew Yang in his platform, but I do think it's interesting uh, some of his positions on how we can how we may need to fund things in the future. Universal basic income. Yeah, that's a that's that's something that we should really seriously consider, look into. I, I'm not saying like yo, let's implement this. I'm saying like let's look into it. That's so a, so automation or automation. Automation. automation is starting to have an impact on and not just starting like already yeah 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 we uh yeah automation is a is a problem that's gonna um wipe out a lot of jobs i mean eventually and that's the point that's the whole point of development we're supposed to get to the point where we're not we're star trek yeah we're supposed to get to you yeah. you hope that that's that's the goal that's the whole point of machines is I don't want to have to work this hard. Nobody was thinking like we're studying uh, versus grinding. That's just not that's the whole point. So we have to look into that. Uh, We have to look into Bernie and uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, platforms about taxing the wealth and whatnot, because that's we have to change the way our tax system is built. We can't have this increasing income inequality, which we do have. That's something that I would like to clarify because you, you hear that tax the wealthy and then the first thing invoked is generally, well, it's their money and and they work nice. for us. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, if yes. you go down the track record, yes. there's a lot of people that built their wealth yeah, that's, via that's, not so ethical that's means. Our, that's our money. Yeah. That's our money. They just happen to have it right now. That's our, that's our money. Right. They just have a lot of it. And for example, you know, I'd like to bring this up too. So essentially, I, I almost look at it as, as kind of like feudalism. So yeah. so these companies use our infrastructure. Yeah. It's theirs too. They just don't, they think they're beyond paying for it. But they, you know, for example, I, this, this was brought up to me and I didn't ever take this into account. But for example, when uh, the trucking companies that are using the roads, they're driving through roads all across America and mm. destroying those roads that people pay for with their taxes. Mm. And they're not wanting to chip anything in for those. Um, that's just one little example of how, hey, man, these companies are using <laughs> the, the security of our country. Um, they're using yeah. taxpayer dollars the to the majority of our tax dollars goes to that, that's the biggest example uh the majority of our tax dollars everybody's tax dollars goes to funding our military unfortunately like 780 billion dollars worth of taxpayer money goes to that mm-hmm. and all these companies are using they're hoping to be protected by that same military then it's like it's the antithesis of patriotism you you kind of owe me like amazon Mm -hmm. really owes me a check because you know i think but you know so you're saying that that i'm saying that if the if the majority of our tax dollars goes to the military like 70 700 some odd billion dollars 10 times more than any other country 10 times more than any other country. And Amazon is being protected by that military that we all help pay for, but mm-hmm. they aren't paying federal taxes. We're stockholders, baby. Yeah, we're stockholders. So they owe us all a check, like Jeff Bezos. And that, that was- Pay up, I need that. That was uh, that was not a uncommon theme with the founders and a lot of presidents, it that if you, if you made wealth in this country, and yep. you were able to use the security of our country, our troops, our, our infrastructure, that you it is incumbent on you to, to, pay, to give back to, to society, yeah, to whether it be up. churches, schools. Yeah. Um, and having representation. To, uh, that's that's all it is, just taxation with representation. Yep. So we have representatives. Let's that w- pay that. 
that everybody is represented. Yeah, and we all are. Yeah, we except all should for, be, except for like you know, like felons and whatnot in most Ooh, states. We got to work on that too. Yeah. yeah, lot to work on. A lot to work on. Well, we appreciate you having. Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me on. Hopefully, I can come back and whatnot. I'll oh yeah, man, we're gonna have travel. to get you to co-host some episodes and stuff. I hope so. I'm I'm down. I'm down. All right. Well, it's not gonna be the last time you guys see it. Thanks everybody for watching.